0: Well, if you brought your Bibles this morning, please turn to John chapter 12, John chapter 12, and I want to share a couple of verses, John chapter 12, and then uh, several other verses as we go through uh, God's Word together this morning. John chapter 12. I'd like for us to look at verse 32 and 33. John 12, verse 32 and 33. These are the words of Jesus. He says, And if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. This he said signifying what death he should die. Now, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's focused on his redemptive death. His death, he says, will draw all men unto him. Now, consider how important it is to lift up Jesus before men. To put emphasis on his redemptive death. As you think about it, there are multitudes every day that pass our church building that will never hear the gospel. And so the gospel needs to be preached. The gospel is about the Christ who is crucified and who has been buried and who has been raised from the dead. And so we need to lift up in every way, we need to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. Yesterday was a major day in the rebuild of our church building. We were able to set our steeple. I want to say a special thanks to Billy White and a group of men from Pleasant Grove Baptist Church uh, in Jemison, Alabama. They did a fantastic job yesterday. I think we had about 10 of them to come and to help erect that steeple. Also a person by the name of Jared that operated the crane and his uh, supervisor Keith and they came from Decatur, from Barnhart Crane and I appreciate them coming down to help. But churches have had steeples for centuries and the purpose of the steeple was to, to have an architectural, uh, an architectural spiral that identified the building as a house of worship. During World War I, World War II, our allies were very careful uh, to spare the destruction of houses of worship. And these houses of worship were identified with a steeple. Symbolically, the spiral pointed people to heaven. Now, I'm excited about our steeple on our new building because mounted on top of the spiral is a Christian cross. Amen. Now, not all steeple have crosses. Our previous building didn't have a cross. The Muslims don't have a cross. They have a, they have a crescent moon. Uh, the Mormon temple, Salt Lake City, Utah, has, a, uh, has an angel, Moroni, an the angel. And I'm excited about the cross on the top of our, our steeple because as people pass by, not only are we pointing them to heaven with a spiral, but we're also pointing them to the way to heaven with the cross representing the death of Jesus Christ who died on that cross or on a cross in order that they could have salvation. So the cross is a, is a major importance to us as Christians and also as our faith family. Now when you go down and enter our, our building, our new worship facility, first of all, you're going to see the, the emblem of a cross embedded in all the windows, out, all the outside windows of our building. As you walk into the worship center, you're going to see uh, a cross uh, positioned overhead and our equipment eyebrow where all the lighting and all the sound will be. And then you're going to have the emblem of the cross designed embedded in the Lord's Supper table. And then I'll have a cross pulpit. And then our church sign has three crosses. Uh, The middle cross stands out a little larger than the other two crosses, representing Christ's cross. And then as you come up the hill, if you walk up the hill and face the church building... You're going, to have, you're going to notice a cross that's embedded in the limestone. And then above that cross is a huge white cross that's surrounded with stained glass. And then above that cross, resting on top of a steeple, spiral, 70 feet from the ground, you have a cross. Now, it's not about us but it's about the person of the cross. It's not about us. It's about the message of the cross. And as I was thinking about the cross and steeples and all of that, I began to think about the ways that the cross cries out to us. And so first of all, the cross cries out to the unbeliever. The cross cries out to the lost. This morning, the cross says that you're lost without Jesus Christ. The Bible says it this way, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so the cross cries out that you're lost without Jesus. The cross cries out that one day you're going to die. For God's Word says in Hebrews 9, 27, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after death the judgment... And the cross points out that if you die without Jesus Christ, you will experience the wrath of God. John 3, verse 36. Listen to what God's Word says. John three thirty-six. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him the wrath of God you know during the Old Testament times God's wrath was openly displayed against evildoers because of man being evil (coughs) during the Old Testament time God's wrath was openly displayed against evildoers by that I mean openly displayed if you remember one way it was openly displayed was during the time of the flood And the Bible says that it repented God or God regretted that he created man and so God decided to destroy the world with a flood. And he did. And that was an open display of the wrath of God. Another time was the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Simply because of a homosexual lifestyle for those two cities, God destroyed them. That was an open display of the wrath of God. Another time was the, the Egyptians as they were affected by a series of plagues. series of plagues because of a hard heart of Pharaoh. That was an, op- that was, uh, an example of an open destruction, uh, open display of God's wrath. Another time of God's wrath being displayed is the nation Israel. And how God sent them into captivity and even destroyed their city and destroyed their temple. An open display of God's wrath. Now listen, Jesus Christ went to the cross to suffer God's wrath for sin and to suffer God's wrath for evil. And God's wrath, all of God's wrath and all of its power was publicly demonstrated on the cross on Jesus when Jesus was crucified. And so the Bible says that if you die without Jesus, it's what the devil didn't want you to hear. If you die without Jesus, if you die in your sins, you will experience the full power of the wrath of God. Think of that. And so the cross cries out to the unbeliever, to the unsaved, in which the Bible calls simply the lost. The cross echoes the word of God that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so this morning the cross is crying out to the unbeliever to be saved, to be saved, to be saved. And so the cross cries out first to the unbeliever. And so the cross secondly cries out to the wayward Christian. The Bible calls the wayward Christian the backslider. The backslider. And so the question that we address this morning is simply this. Are you a backslider? We take backsliding uh, something to snicker about or something to brag about. Well, I guess I'm just an old backslider. God takes it pretty serious. <laughs> Real serious. So have, are you a backslider? Have you drifted away from God? Are you as close to God today as you were last week or the week before, or the month before, or the year before, or ten years ago? Are you close to God? Now I believe for the most part today, for Christians, um, backsliding, drifting away is unintentional. We really don't mean to backslide. We really don't intend to drift away from God. Christians don't really intend to backslide. And I think, personally, that it all begins first with the sin of prayerlessness. I know, personally speaking, that if my prayer life is not what it should be, that I'll find myself drifting away from God occasionally. If my Bible study is not what it should be, my quiet time, I'll find myself drifting away from God occasionally. And I believe it starts with this, the sin of prayerlessness. Secondly, I believe because of unfaithfulness to God's house, and I mentioned for Bible study and for worship, that will lead to backsliding. Mark it down. If you get to the point where you're not attending God's house for worship and Bible study, you'll start missing and missing and missing until you're out completely before long. True. Are you a backslider? Have you drifted from God? Sin of prayerlessness leads to it. Unfaithfulness to God's house, where you study His Word, where you worship, leads to it. And then you have the sin of excuses that leads to backsliding. But it all boils down the prayerlessness, the unfaithfulness, and the sin of excuses all boils down that the backslider's heart, heart, your heart has drifted away from God. That's serious. Because today, so many people are so wrapped up in the world and wrapped up in material things and wrapped up in their houses and their jobs and recreation and activities and and children and, and themselves, really, that they're drifting away from God. They've left God and they've committed, the Bible says, spiritual adultery. Imagine that. God accused Israel... Of spiritual holotry of spiritual whoredom with other gods. And God looks on backsliding as something that's very serious. And so the cross cries out today come back, come back, come back, please come back. That's what the cross cries out. Jeremiah chapter 3, just jot this verse down. Chapter 3, verse 12 says this. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause my anger. Do you know God gets angry at the backslider? Think to have Almighty God angry at you. He says, return thy backslide in Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause my anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep my anger forever. In other words, if you'll just return to me, if you'll turn to me, your backslidden will be forgiven. But if you don't, I'm going to get angry at you. That's serious. Very serious. So if you're a child of God and you're a backslider, if you've drifted away from God, any day, at any time, God will deal with your backsliding. Don't think for one moment, my friend, as a Christian, you're going to get away with backsliding. Mm -hmm. Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to what God says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, says this. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My sons, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening or discipline, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then you're bastards, you're illegitimate children, you're not a true child of God if you're without chastisement. He says, so, verse 9, Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which, which corrected us and we've gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For for they verily for a few days chasteneth us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, after it, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which are hang low in the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out the way, but let it rather be healed. And so, in all of that, in Hebrews 5, uh, Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 13, God says that He's going to deal with the backslider. He's going to discipline the backslider. And He says, Listen, if you be without my discipline, we're all partakers, then you are an illegitimate child of mine. And so if you say, well, Brother Sammy, I'm a backslider. or I can live this way and that way and nothing ever happens to me. You've got a real serious problem. (laughs) And so God takes backsliding very, very serious. And so the cross cries out, please, please come, come today. Return today. Be renewed today. The cross cries out. To the unbeliever. The cross cries out to the wayward. And then the cross cries out to the discouraged. David Jeremiah tells of a man by the name of Lawrence Hanretty, who was named the unluckiest man in New York City. And his profile was in the LA Times. I made a copy of this out of uh, David Jeremiah's book. Listen to this. The unluckiest man, New York City. Says, this poor fellow profiled in the Los Angeles Times was nearly electrocuted to death in a construction site in 1984. Four weeks he lay in a coma with his lawyers fighting for his liability claim until one of them was disbarred and two of them died and then Hannity's wife ran off with her lawyer. Henry lost his car in a terrible crash. After the police had left the scene of the accident, criminals came along and robbed him. Then an insurance company fought to cut off his workers' compensation benefits. His landlord tried to evict him. He suffered from depression. He required a canister of oxygen for breathing. And he took 42 pills per day for his heart and liver ailments. But a city councilman took up his cause and neighbors began to rally around him. Incredibly, Lawrence Hanready summed up his life this way. There is always hope. Now, I like that. With all that he'd gone through, he summed his life up by saying, Hey, there's always hope. There's always hope. You know, the dictionary defines discouragement as to deprive of courage, to disheartened, to deter. The New Testament Greek word, that we get the English word uh, discouragement, means to faint, it means to grow weary, it means to lose heart. So as you read your Bible and it comes across to faint or not to faint, that's discouragement. Don't be discouraged, don't lose heart, don't be discouraged, don't grow weary, don't be discouraged. So Paul warns us in Colossians 3 verse 1. He says, says, be careful. Don't you become the source of discouragement. Be careful, my friend. Don't discourage anyone. You don't know what that person's going through. You don't know what they've been through. Don't be the source of discouragement. The Bible says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Don't provoke your children unless they, unless they lose heart or, or they, they grow weary or, or they faint. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul warns about those that are, are in ministry. He says those that are, are in ministry need to be careful. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Listen to verse 1. He says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. We have this ministry. I'm in the ministry. I need to be careful that I don't get discouraged. Man, just think, being in ministry, it's very easy to get discouraged. (laughs) Real easy. Very easy. Has been today. easy. But you can't be discouraged. You can't faint. You can't lose heart. You can't give up. You can't quit. Jesus told a parable in Luke 18 verse 1 and he began by saying men ought to always pray and not faint. You need to always pray and not faint. You need to always pray and not lose heart. Pray and and not be discouraged. Pray and not grow weary. Pray and, 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 and not faint. Don't be discouraged. Live and breathe and take up residence every opportunity you have in prayer. If you don't, you'll be sure to faint and grow weary and lose heart. Brother Sammy, how can I have victory over discouragement? Now some of you perhaps are discouraged this morning for whatever reason. Maybe your job, maybe your children, maybe a spouse. I don't know. Maybe sickness. It's easy to get discouraged with your health. Judy's been sick with her back. Frida's been sick for a long time. Some of you have been sick, going for tests. It's easy to get discouraged because of your health. So how can I have victory over discouragement? Number one. Cry out to God first and not last. Cry out to God first. Don't wait until last before you look up. Cry out to Him first. Cry out to Him as Daddy, Abba, Father, Daddy. As you would sit down with your spiritual journey and, or journal and, and sit down and begin to cry out to God and, and while you write. And, and let the tears flow if you have to, but cry out to God first. And then secondly, keep doing what God's given you to do. Don't stop. Have you ever wanted to quit because you were discouraged? Or because someone discouraged you? Don't quit. Don't walk out. Don't let them have it. I was looking for this job before I found this one and I'll find another. You ever heard that said? You ever said it? Now why would you say that? You'd be discouraged. Simply discouraged. I've got a little note here that says Satan knows that if he can get you discouraged, he can get you to walk out and he can get you to quit and the problems will never be resolved. So the problem will never be resolved. And secondly, God's work will never go forward if you quit. It'll never go forward. And then listen, don't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. Know what God's called you, called you to do. And as a church, know what God has called us to do. Put on blinders. Stay on track. Main thing must be the main thing. Don't get sidetracked with something else. Do what God wants you to do. So cry out to God and continue the work that God's given you. And then third, claim the, claim the encouragements of God's promises. Because in times of discouragement, you need to run to the Word of God. You say, well, Brother Sammy, I don't feel like it. Or I just don't have a desire to. I just don't want to. Sometimes you have to force-feed the Word of God. Read it when you don't want to read it. Read it when you don't feel like reading it. Because when our heart is down and when our spirit is down, that's when we need a transfusion of the Holy Ghost's power in our lives. It's found in the Word of God. Psalms 46, listen to this. Jot this down. Psalm 46, verse 1 through 3. Psalm 46. Listen to God's Word when He says, God is our refuge and strength of very present help in trouble. Therefore will I not fear though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea and though the waters therefore roar and be troubled and though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. There's a river the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High and God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved and God shall help her and that right early. The heathen raged and the kingdoms were moved, and he uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Why would you not want to read that? Claim the encouragements of God's promises. Run to God's word. Force feed God's word if you have to. Run to his word. And so this morning, the cross cries out to those who are discouraged and says, You're not alone. You're not alone. Don't, don't faint. Don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. 2 Thessalonians 3.13 says, But ye brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Now, why would he say that? Be not weary in well-doing. Don't lose heart. Don't faint in doing good, in doing the Lord's work. Now, why would he say that? He answers it in Galatians 6, verse 9. He says the same word again, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians 3, 13. He says, But ye brethren, be not weary in well doing. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. If you consider the harvest that's ahead, you won't faint. If you consider the harvest that it's ahead, You won't lose heart. Paul says, Let us not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, the cross has a message. To the lost, to the unbeliever, the message is be saved. The cross has a message to the wayward, to the backslider. The message is real simple. Return. The cross has a message to the discouraged. Those down and out. Those ready to quit. Those ready to give up. The message is real simple. The message is don't weary, Faint not. Has the cross spoken to you this morning? Spoken to you? Before we have a prayer and an invitation, I want you to hear this song. Let the word speak to you.
1: Sunday clothes, he held her hand on bended knee, he said, I need to show you how to find your way home as they walked along how sweet the sound church bells ring. the crossway of their sweetheart. If you ever get lost, say t- to the same little girl 30 years gone by She still knows her daddy's by her side She raises her little boy in her father's away And she smiles when she hears her son say, hey mom Take me to the cross, Just for the lost people
0: spoke to you this morning are you here without Jesus you need to go to the cross the cross is speaking to you the cross is saying you're a sinner one day you're going to die and without Christ you're going to experience the wrath of God if you're here today and perhaps you're a Christian and you're just kind of in a backslidden condition, a wayward condition and you're not as close to God as you used to be You know it, and perhaps other people know it. More than that, God knows it. Believe me, he doesn't take that lightly. If you're truly a Christian, it's just a matter of time and God will deal with you. And the reason he deals with you, number one, he loves you. Number two, you belong uniquely to him. And number three, to bring you back on a path of righteousness. Now, if you be without chastisement, we're all our partakers then you're a illegitimate child of God and you need to come to know Christ. And you may be here discouraged. You came discouraged because of whatever reason. Don't quit. When you look up at the cross, it gives you reason because you have hope. Because you know you're not alone. And whatever you're going through, God's going to go through it with you. Christ is there for you. And He'll see you through it. So, this morning, do you need to come to the cross to heads for pray <laughs> prayer? <laughs> Heavenly Father, speak to our